verses 7 through 9. We're going to read this in the English Standard Version. Uh, the, the Pew Bibles are ESVs, and so you can follow along there. Uh, we do have kind of a call and response. Uh, I'll read the first verse, and everyone will read the second verse, and I'll read the third verse. There's only three today. Um, so uh, please uh, find the scripture, uh, either in the Pew Bibles or if you brought a Bible app or your own Bible. Um, and please stand as able once you're ready to read the scripture. Again, it's Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, friends, we are wrapping up uh, this sermon series, You Are Not Alone. Uh, And uh, next week... We'll, we'll kind of preview, go into our new sermon series uh, for the new year, uh, especially for the next semester. We're going to be talking about practical discipleship. Uh, it's going to be uh, something that uh, uh, we're going to try out, where we're going to try to pair, actually, the messages with what we are doing in small groups and to give you a chance to, um, it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but, but the idea of practical discipleship is that you will be working on your discipleship, right, with other people, with certain things that God is putting on your heart um, that, that, you, that you actually want to do. We, we don't want this to just be theoretical. We don't want this to just be uh, something that, you know, sounds good in a sermon and you feel inspired for, you know, for an hour and then you go home and you forget everything, right? But we want you to actually work on some of your your habits and, you know, to, to use your habits to follow Christ. And so we're excited by that. It, it'll be really good. Uh, we'll, we'll be starting that next week. Uh, but we're wrapping up here. You are not alone. And this last message is his promises are with you. And so if you remember, um, we've been talking about this idea uh, that we do live in a world where people feel alone. They feel chronically alone. Uh, it's kind of becoming, it's become an epidemic. We feel, feel disconnected from each other. Uh, we feel disconnected from God. Sometimes we feel like we're just floating space dust in this universe and that everything that happens is random. And so the past few messages, uh, the first message was, God is with you. And then the second one was, I am with you. And so the, the idea that we are Christ to one another uh, in community. And then last week was, Christ is with you. Uh, and, and we we're talking about the incarnation, that, that the sign, the symbol that God is here with us, Emmanuel, is that he came to be with us in the flesh as a human being and experienced everything that we went through. And so today's message is his promises are with you. Because brothers and sisters, uh, you can hear all that. You can hear that Christ is with you, but still feel very, very alone. You know, maybe there's people who have been in the church for, for years and years and years, and we still feel alone. 
and we still feel so disconnected from God. And I want to try to explain to you why that might be. And so I'm going to try to explain this through a very famous story. Uh, probably many of you have heard this. Uh, it's a story that uh, David Foster Wallace uh, tells at his uh, famous Kenyan College commencement speech. Um, it's called uh, This is Water. And so the story goes like this. It's a very, very quick uh, story. It's kind of like a joke. Uh, there's there's um, an older fish swimming in a fishbowl. And two younger fish are passing the older fish. And the older fish uh, says to the younger fish, Morning, boys. How's the water? And as the two younger fish are passing the older fish, one of the, the younger fish says to his friend, he says, what the heck is water? That's it. That's the story. What does that mean? What, what does that mean? <laughs> so the, 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 the idea of the story is that the fish don't know that they're in water, right? Because it's just their reality. It's their everyday environment. They're just in the water all the time, and they don't realize that it's a thing called water. And they don't realize, probably, that there's a thing called air. There's a different way of being. Because all they know is water. It's just the norm. It just becomes what they breathe, right? What they see all the time. It's just reality. And they don't know that there's anything else. And brothers and sisters, I think this is a great way to talk about the environment that we live in. Um, what, what, what sometimes uh, scripture calls kingdoms. You live in a kingdom. So it even talks uh, at one point, the kingdom of the air. What does that mean? This, right? This is air. The kingdom of the air, right? We don't live in the kingdom of water. We live in a kingdom of air, right? This is air. And it says in scripture, not to freak you out, but there's a prince of the kingdom of the air, right? So there's spiritual realities out there, right? And so this that you're experiencing, right, is shaped by all the stuff that goes before it, right? You are shaped by a worldview. You are shaped by your education. You are shaped by the way that people talk. You're shaped by the ideas that have been put in to, to you through media and through all these things. All of this form your kingdom, form your environment. And what, what I have been trying to uh, convince you of, hopefully, um, is that the kingdom that we live in is not the kingdom of God. And that the moment we are living in, in this world, right now, we live in a secular world. What does that mean? It's a world that, that we live as if there is no God, right? That's just the environment we, we grew up in, right? Can't help that, right? We can't turn back the clock. We can't go back to you know, a time where everyone was Christian and, you know, it was just kind of like a world where people just took those things for granted, right? We don't live in that world anymore. We live in a world where people feel really alone because they think they're alone, because they live as if there's no God, right? And brothers and sisters, whether or not you believe me, it makes a difference living in this world. People talk as if there's no God. People worry as if there's no God, right? And whether or not you believe me, it actually doesn't matter. That's just where you live, right? And whether or not you think it's true, it actually makes a difference too. So the, uh, the past few weeks um, in my car, so uh, let me just tell you, uh, in, in early December, I went to get my car fixed. 
And one of the problems, I was having several problems. Well, one of the problems was, um, I, I have like, you know, a car that, that it, it's got like electronics in it and it tells you on the screen, you know, if there's something wrong with your car. And it's been telling me for a while that my tire pressure is low. And so I was like filling all the air in it and then, you know, the, the light went off for a little bit and then boom, came back on. Tire pressure is low. And it's like right in front of your face. It's actually on the panel. That's right next to the gas. And so every day when I get in my car, it's like, boop, it, it beeps, and it says tire pressure is low, right? And I did this several times. I went to the tire pressure place, and I kept filling it over and over again. Boop, tire pressure is low. So finally, I go to get my car fixed, and I find out that there was actually a nail in, my, uh, in one of my tires. And so, you know, I thought my car, maybe there's something wonky with the electronics, but there was actually something wrong. Right, the, the the pressure just kept right. The air just kept coming out because there was a nail in the tire, and so got a new tire. You know everything's fine, right? Couple days later, boop comes back on. Tire pressure is low. I'm like, what the heck? What is wrong with my car? And so you know, I heard that the electronics, uh, you know, sometimes it's a little wonky. You know, I'm like, that can't be right. I just got a new tire, right? And so I just ignored it. I know you're not supposed to do this, but I ignored it. And, you know, maybe a few days, like, like pass, and, and I check my tires. Looks fine, right? Kick them. You know, they feel firm, right? And so I go another week. Every day, I go in my car. Boop! Tire pressure is low. And so go and check the tires again. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But it bothers me, right? Every time I get in my car, I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm... 90% sure there's nothing wrong with the tires. Just got them fixed. Just got new, put, you know, air in them and everything. Everything should be fine. You know, this is just something weird, you know? And, but, but it just kept bothering me. And every time I got in my car, every time I drove my kids, I felt like a bad dad. You know, like, how can you drive them in this car where something can be wrong with the tire? What if it blows out, right? I, I'd be driving on the highway, there's one time I was going to speak at a retreat, and, you know, I had to drive, like, uh, uh, two hours each way, pretty much. And the whole time, I'm thinking, like, oh, man, what if the tire blows out, right? And it's like, like, like just these thoughts are like, oh, no, you know, m- maybe there's something really wrong. So finally, last week, or it, it, it was uh, maybe like a week and a half ago, and I decided to just go to the dealership, and they check it out. And, and so, you know, what the guy told me is, um, so they went to fill the, the, the tire pressure, and I told them the whole story about how this was happening. And they're like, your tires are full, right? They're like, oh, you know, this is probably what happened. When it gets cold, just a little bit of pressure drops. And, and the, the, the electronics are very sensitive, right? And so they literally didn't do anything. All they did was they turned off the light, and they sent me on my way. Now, every time I get in my car now, you know what I feel? I feel dread and anxiety like my tires are going to explode. Of course not, right? I don't feel that. I feel safe. I feel completely safe because I'm like, I know my tires are fine. I didn't feel that before. You, you know what I would feel? Like every time, you know, I hit a bump or something, I'm like, oh, I, did you feel that? Like, I, I think I felt something. I, I think there's something wrong with my tire, right? Until I got it checked out, and then I found out everything was fine. But this is the thing, brothers and sisters. This is the moral of the story. They were fine before, and they were fine after. What changed? My environment changed. That's it. 
That little light, that's the only thing that changed. The light that said, you have a reason to worry. Every day, that light came on, boop, you have a reason to worry. So I did, right? That's the atmosphere that I was living in. Is that the atmosphere you're living in? Maybe you are fine. But there's a light that goes off every day that says, you have a reason to worry. Something is going to go wrong. This is water, right? That's the idea of kingdom. You live in a certain kind of environment. There's a certain kind of spirit to that. Right? Now, people back in the day, they used to live in a different kind of world, a God-soaked world, a world whether or not you believe it or not, but people believed. They believed that they were safe because there was a God that loved them, that created the universe, and that was there, right? And, and it, it, that God was a part of everything. And so people probably function differently. They probably talk differently. We even have... Uh, 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 it's, it's kind of antiques uh, from that, that era. I, that, that, that's not the right way. Ar, uh, what do you call it? Uh, artifacts of that era. Like every time you sneeze, what do you say? God bless you, right? People will say that whether or not they believe in God, right? But it came from a time where they believed that, hey, I got to pray for you. You just sneezed. So, you know, I'm going to pray for you that God will heal you. It's a different time. We don't live in that time anymore. Right, But that environment, being soaked in that, that is something that I think we are missing. And like I said, whether you believe me or not, it's not the point. It's just the world you live in. Whether you want to live in that world or not, the, the fish doesn't have a choice. They just live in water. That's just the environment they're in. So the question is, what will we do about that? So I want to read for you. Uh, this is uh, Joshua chapter 1. We read this uh, a moment ago. Joshua chapter 1, 7 through 9. Just to give you a little background, this came during a time where the people of Israel are about to enter the promised land. Now, they know that this is going to be a hostile place. They know that there are going to be enemies there everywhere. There's going to be people who do not want them to come in. And they're going to want to harm and kill the people of Israel. So everywhere they go, there's going to be danger, right? Talk about a hostile environment, right? Talk about a kingdom that is unfriendly. They know that the air around them is about to get really, really uncomfortable. And so this is what Joshua pledges in front of the people of Israel right before they go into this hostile area. He says, uh, only be strong and, and uh, very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Oh, so, sorry, this is what uh, God is speaking to, to Joshua. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so there's this idea of the law, the book of the law, of this idea that we are supposed to uh, be immersed in it, 
right? This idea that we're not supposed to turn from it to the right or to the left, that it's not supposed to depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. So brothers and sisters, the way I like to think about this is being soaked in the word of God. You're just soaked in it, right? That, that, uh, now you have to remember that back then, you know, people didn't really have books the way we do. They certainly didn't have cell phone apps, right? And the, the, the irony is they probably were way more biblically literate than we are now. People treasured scripture way more, maybe partially because they didn't have the same accessibility. Now we have it wherever we go and we don't read it, right? We, we don't really know what it says. We're, we're not soaking in it. But for, for Joshua, this was what the people were trying to do, what, what he was trying to do was to soak in this day and night, meditating on it, right? Thinking about it, just just letting those ideas soak in to his very core, right? For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That is a promise. You'll be prosperous. You'll be successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the promise. God is with you wherever you go. And the idea is, brothers and sisters, as you soak in it, then you will be able to do it. I know oftentimes people look at Scripture and they look at it as a a, a long list of things that you are supposed to do and not do. And for a lot of us, we don't really like it because we don't like being bad at stuff. And you read the scripture and you're like, I can't do this. But I think what they're talking about here in Joshua is the idea that the word of God is supposed to get in you. And when it gets in you, it becomes a part of you. It's a different way of being. It's a different world. It's a different kingdom. Right, And so, brothers and sisters, this is probably what you'll notice. If you read scripture for for any amount of time, you will realize it's a different world. It's a different world that they lived in. It is a God-soaked world. They just believed that God was everywhere. It's a different way of being. And we want to get this way of being into us. Now, I want to show you another scripture that talks about the word of God. Um, and, and, you know, this, this is a very famous passage, John chapter 1, where it talks about the Word of God, but it talks about it as if the Word is Jesus. And, and, and I want to explain this to you, because I think it might explain this idea of getting the Word of God into you. So it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, so uh, they're obviously talking about Jesus here, right? John is talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So using my powers of logic, right, it's saying that Jesus is the Word of God, right? Now, what is the Word of God? For most of us, we think, well, many of us maybe, think that the Word of God is the Bible. And it is. It is the Bible. But it's not just the Bible. I want to be clear about that. Um, Because if it just was the Bible, then this is what it says. In the beginning was the Bible, 
and the Bible was with God, and the Bible was God, right? Doesn't make sense, right? Uh, so, so clearly, they're not just talking about the Bible. Jesus is not the Bible, right? But the word here for word is a word in Greek called logos. And logos does mean word, but it is a, a, a Greek concept that is, is more than just word. Um, a, 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 probably a better way to translate it is spoken word. It's, it's the same word that we get our word for logic. It's the thoughts of God. It is a spoken word. It is an action. It is the embodiment of God. All that God is, the essence of who God is, is communicated in Jesus, right? And that essence is also communicated in Scripture, right? Jesus embodies what Scripture is about, right? All of that comes into Jesus, and Jesus fulfills that. So this is the thing. You may not think that you can fulfill the word of God, that you can't do it. It's telling you to do certain things. It says, like, don't be anxious. You're like, well, well I, I can't do that. I'm just anxious. Pastor Steve, you talk about this all the time. We live in an anxious world, right? You know, it says, don't worry. Well, I worry. It says, love your enemies. I can't love my enemies. I hate my enemies. My enemies piss me off. I can't help it. Right? And just because it says that doesn't mean you can do it. But you know who was able to do it perfectly? Jesus. Why? Because he was the word of God. Does that start to make sense a little bit? Right? The word of God, the intentions of God, the thoughts of God, the logic of God, all that was embodied in who Jesus was. And when you soak in the word of God, when you let that into you and you come into agreement, you say yes to it. This is why the Bible talks so much about obeying the word of God, actually doing the word of God. Actually, I know this is going to sound a little weird, becoming the word of God. It has to become a part of you, right? It doesn't make sense if you want to be with God, but you don't want to do what God wants you to do. If you want to be like Jesus, but you don't want to do what Jesus actually did, that doesn't make sense. It's not consistent, right? And so if the word of God is coming into you and it's you're soaking in it, then it's going to start coming out of you in your actions, in your thoughts, in who you are, right? If the world that Jesus lived in, if the kingdom of God is a certain place where God is king and God is in control and God loves you, and God is for you, and God has plans for you, and God is holding you, and you are safe and secure. If that word gets into you, then that becomes a part of you. Does that make sense? You start becoming a person of peace. You start becoming a person of love, right? But for many of us, we are not soaking in this word. I'm not trying to, to, to make anyone feel bad, but I think for many of us, I don't know what we think, but we think that maybe, you know, like, like we, we heard it in Sunday school or something, or, you know, we know the high points, we read it once, and that was good enough. But brothers and sisters, that's the irony. You have the Bible literally, probably for anyone who has a cell phone, you have the Bible literally wherever you go. And for many of us, we read it far less than when we didn't. 
right? And what I'm trying to tell you is in this world that we live in, if you, you are in an anxiety-soaked world, you are in a world of depression, you are in a world where we feel like we are not connected to the spiritual. We are not connected to God. We are not connected to each other. We're like cosmic dust. And just random crap is going to happen to you. And that's scary. If you live in that kind of world, and you do, by the way, right? Whether you believe it or not, whether you want to or not, it's just water. It's the world you live in. Everywhere around us, people are freaking out. People are worried, right? Anxiety disorders all over the place. It's just the world we live in. If you know that, then what I'm trying to say is we need to soak in a different kind of environment. I'm not immune to this either. Uh, for those of you who know, who were here past January through March, um, I, I was suffering from an anxiety disorder, um, panic disorder. I was having panic attacks. Um, I started having them all the time. I started having them in my sleep. I couldn't sleep. And, I mean, it's like, it, it was so weird because I was afraid of my breath. I felt like I couldn't breathe. And that would trigger anxiety and that would trigger symptoms, and that I would be more afraid, right? And brothers and sisters, I started to cling to Scripture like I had never before. Never before. I've never read Scripture the way I did during that time because I was desperate. I was so desperate. You know, and I would read the Scripture, and I'll be honest, I didn't really believe it, but I just kept reading it. And I found myself trying to come into agreement with this word, with this world that the word was telling me about, a world where God is holding me and that his love would never let me go. That's the world that I needed to live in, but I wasn't. And this is the thing, brothers and sisters, for many of us, we are are so controlled by our feelings and our emotions, right? And you can't help that. And so it's the reason why I keep saying, you know, when when someone says, don't worry, it doesn't really help. Because you can't control your emotions, not just by telling yourself to stop worrying. It doesn't work that way. But I think that in some ways, it's a much slower process. I'm not promising you magic. I'm not promising you that it will happen overnight. But the idea that there is a God that loves you, that is there for you, that is spoken about. It's just breathed into Scripture, this idea that there is a God who loves you and cares about you and is in control. And that if you live according to his way and his word, you're going to have the best possible life. Because you're going to have purpose and you're going to have meaning and you're going to have connection and you're going to live in in an eternal kingdom. That's what it's promising, right? That that is something that we can experience as a reality. But brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, I I just want to maybe warn you or just be honest. You're not going to feel like reading Scripture. (laughs) I didn't feel like reading Scripture. But this is the thing. Your emotions, they lie to you. Your emotions are, they're trying to do something, but what they're not trying to do is bring you into the kingdom of God. They can't. Your emotions can't do that. It will not happen automatically. 
And so I, I want to ask you a question. This is a long way to preface my question. <laughs> my, my question that is not meant to make you feel guilty, but knowing that you're probably not going to want to read Scripture, not going to feel like reading Scripture. My question is, what is your habit of reading Scripture? Because if you don't have a habit of reading Scripture, you probably won't do it regularly. Again, nothing to feel bad about. But I, I think there are many, many reasons for this. Far too much for us to get into. And I think that oftentimes our modern Christianity is not helping us. Our modern Christianity tells us, just believe, only believe. We, we just uh, came from Cincinnati, and we always pass this church. I think it's like somewhere in the Toledo area. It's called Only Believe Ministries, right? I'm sure, you know, that, that, that means something good, and if you had the full context, that's great. But I think the idea is, I don't need anything else. I don't need to read scripture. All I need to do is only believe. If I only believe, that's all I need, right? And, and I think that a version of that has crept into our modern Christianity. We don't think we need scripture anymore. The thing is, brothers and sisters, it's not scripture you need. It's God. It's the word of God, not an actual book, Right? But you need the logic of God, the mind of God, the thoughts of God, the reality of God, the world of God, the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? And I don't know how else to get this into you, to read about it, to listen to it. Right? Because you are soaking in a world that is telling you different things. Right? I, I just, you know, sometimes I tell people, to just soak in scripture, to just read it. You know, you don't need to analyze it. I think our, our, our uh, schools have, I, I mean, you know, I understand they have taught you to read in a certain way. Um, it, it's a critical way. You read everything like this. You're like, hey, let's tear this apart. Let's get the meaning I need, and the things that I don't agree with, we'll discard it, and we read things like that, right? We read almost everything like that. And reading scripture, if you really want to meditate on it, the way it's talking about here, it's more like chewing, right? Like, like chewing on your food. There's not a lot of critical stuff when you're chewing food, at least for me. I don't know. Maybe there's some critiques you guys have. Uh, you guys have like very sophisticated palates and you're like, oh, this piece of meat is juicy and sweet. And you're like, hmm, this is a 9.7. I don't know if you eat food like that, but for me, I'm just like, good. Mm-hmm. Texture. Mm-hmm. Chewing. Mm, that, that's how I eat food, right? And, and I like it. And, and if it's something I like, I just keep eating it. Just, and you just enjoy it. Now, some of us, we eat the food and we're just, nom, 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 and you, like you don't taste anything, right? You just scarf it down. I want to encourage you, when you eat your food, enjoy it. Chew it slowly. You know, let those flavors just, just enjoy them. Don't, don't, don't analyze it, you know? And when you read scripture, I want to encourage you to do it the same way. When you read a passage, don't, don't take it apart. No, don't do a, a, you know, an analysis of this grammatical structure or whatever. You know, just read it. Just, just be open to it. Just enjoy it. You know, in many ways, music can be really good for this. Because when you listen to music, you're usually not overanalyzing it, you know. It's a hard day's night. What do they mean by a hard day's night? What's hard about it? You just, you're just listening, 
right? And you just soak it in, right? This is why the most popular songs are about love. It's not a lot of logic there. It's just something you feel and you embody with all that you are. I love you. I love you. And you love me. And it just brings everything alive. And there's a lot of uh, praise songs that use scripture. And, and you can just kind of soak in that. I, I, I just, you know, one of the songs that we sang this morning, as Jason was singing and we were singing with him, um, imagine that you were soaking in this reality. Not just you heard it, but this was became your reality. I want to read this verse for you. The hopeless have found their hope. The orphans now have a home. All that was lost has found its place in you, Jesus. You lift our weary head. You make us strong instead. You took these rags and made us beautiful. That's not the reality most of us are living in. We're not living as if we have a home, as if we have a heavenly parent, as if all of the mistakes, all of the crappy things in this world are being made beautiful in the grace of Jesus Christ. I know that's not the reality that is coming off of our world. But that is the reality that I think we need to soak ourselves in. Every night, I would read Romans 8. And I still do. Every night, I read it. There's not a lot of analysis. I just read those words. That idea that God's love will never fail me. It will never fail me. I, I mean... It's, it's, it, I, I know in some ways it's hard to understand because the reality is I could always breathe. But I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I couldn't breathe. You know, what changed? The oxygen didn't change. I've been breathing my whole life. But I was living in a world where that was extremely scary. The thoughts that I couldn't breathe. Maybe some of you, I mean, you know, you're like, but Pastor Steve, you could breathe, right? It's true. But some of you are living in a world where you feel like you can't breathe. You feel like, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? You know, my life's going to be over. What if something bad happens? What if I fail this test? What, what, what if this person doesn't like me? Am I going to be alone for the rest of my life? You're living in a world that isn't real, but it feels real. It feels real. And so it is real to you. In some ways, it is. Right? Anxiety, depression, and those things are killers. They are. Those things are real. Right? The thing you're afraid of may not be real, but the fear is real. Does that make sense? The object of your anxiety may not be real, but the anxiety is real. That world you are living in. Right? And for me, I mean... It's just, it's been a slow process. But it's one of those thoughts that for me, before I go to bed, that's what I want to fall asleep to. Because so often, I can't go to bed because my mind just won't shut up. It's worrying about all this stuff. It's just, did you do this? What if this happens? You know, what happens if you fall asleep? What if you don't wake back up? Right? And my mind is a jerk. I don't know about your mind. 
But for me, lately, I mean, it's not perfect, but just kind of soaking in that reality for a little bit, that God will never let go of me. Even if I fall asleep, I fall asleep with God. If I wake up, I'm in the kingdom of God, great. (laughs) That's awesome. That's great. What do I have to be afraid of? And at least for me, man, I've been getting better sleep. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to find some kind of routine, some kind of habit of reading scripture. You may not feel like doing it. I want to encourage you. Even if it's, you're like, okay, Pastor Steve, the scripture thing, I'm not there. But maybe you can just listen to a praise song. Listen to Jesus, we love you. Go download that, right? Or, or I don't know, bookmark it on YouTube. I, I don't know if that's a thing, you know. But uh, look it up on Spotify, whatever, right? But maybe, you know, before you go to bed, um, that's actually, I started with uh, praise songs. People were sending me all kinds of praise songs when I couldn't sleep. And I would just listen to the praise songs and I would fall asleep to the praise song. I'll fall asleep to the idea that God loved me and that he wouldn't let go. And I would just fall asleep with that reality every night. And I kind of graduated to actually reading the scripture, you know. Um, But maybe you're not there. But maybe you can fall asleep with the Holy Spirit singing over you. That idea that even our dirty rags can be made beautiful. That the hopeless find their hope. That the orphans have a home. That you have a home. And it is God. There is a Savior and he loves you and he will not abandon you. And I would love for you to live in that reality. Jason, can you come up? Let's just take a moment to just soak in that. I just want to read that scripture one more time for you, just right here at the end. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Maybe there's some of us, we need to just read that again and again and again. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I don't know if you've ever tried to marinate meat. It can't be marinated by just taking it and just dipping it in that sauce real quick, the marinade, and just boop. You're not going to get all the flavor. It's not going to get in there. you got to let it soak. It takes time, right? It takes time. you got to remain there. The, the meat, the gulgi has to remain in the sauce. For <laughs> the sauce to get in. It's just what needs to happen. We need to soak in this reality you've been soaking in a different kind of reality. You need to soak in the reality. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
precious God, I just pray this over each and every person here. God, I know that in the darkest of nights, I know there are times where the tests we take, the test this world tells us to pass. The social media, the comparisons that we see from the sparkling images of people living their best lives, showing us their best angles. God, that it puts us in a certain kind of world. A place where we are comparing ourselves to them and we find our worth not as worthy. But Lord, to know that we are loved, that our worth is of infinite value. God, we are of infinite value to you. Not because of what we have done, but because of who we are. tell us that story of how you sent Jesus to die for us. How he was the word incarnate. That maybe we can't live that word out perfectly, but he did. And we want that life. We want that love within us. We know that light can pierce any darkness. If there's anyone here who's experiencing darkness in their life, God, I pray light of Christ will be a part of them a little bit more in this moment than it was before. Maybe it won't be the brightest of lights yet, but a little bit more than it was before. Help us to know, God, that we are not alone. You will never abandon us. In Jesus' name.